Welcome to Get Found, Get Funded, a podcast all about creating visibility, paths for growth, and opportunity for entrepreneurs. We focus on those entrepreneurs who are statistically underrepresented in the startup ecosystem. Your hosts are Zena Island, president of X Plus PR, a media relations agency, angel investor Aurelia Flores, managing member of Athena Digital Media Group, a digital marketing agency, and angel investor Christina Francis, president of Esteem Logic, an information technology, consulting, and training firm. In each episode, you will meet a new startup founder, hear about their company and where they are now. We then focus on one key challenge facing that entrepreneur, a challenge that is common among startups. Each episode also features a guest expert to weigh in on the challenge. Welcome to Get Found, Get Funded. Welcome to another episode of Get Found, Get Funded. Today's topic is how the SBA can assist startups and existing small business owners. We have joining us in studio, William Manger from the U.S. Small Business Administration Headquarters. Bill is the Associate Administrator for the Office of Capital Access at the U.S. Small Business Administration. The Office of Capital Access helps make funding available through banks and other lending partners to small businesses that cannot otherwise obtain loans. After being appointed by the Administrator McMahon in March 2017, Manger has taken responsibility over the SBA's loan program policy technology, operations, and oversight. This includes SBA's flagship 7A and 504 loan programs, the microloan program, and the surety bond program. As associate administrator, Manger manages a $120 billion, yes, that's with a B, portfolio of direct and guaranteed loans, nine operation centers, and 560 employees of the SBA's Office of Capital Access. Welcome, Bill. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me join you. The U.S. Small Business Administration offers so many programs and resources to assist small businesses of all types, from offering information on market research, support in creating business plans and financial projections, to assisting assistance with getting funding. For those of you who don't know, the U.S. Small Business Administration, and we're going to shorten this and say SBA, I assume everybody (laughs) knows who the SBA is, (laughs) was created in 1953 as an independent agency of the federal government to aid, counsel, assist, and protect the interests of small business concerns to preserve free competitive enterprise and to maintain and strengthen the overall economy of our nation. Although the SBA has grown and evolved in the years since it it was established in 1953, the bottom line mission remains the same. The SBA helps Americans start, build, and grow businesses. The SBA delivers its services through an extensive network of field offices and partnerships with public and private organizations. Some people say the SBA is the best kept secret you already know about. Most people know of the agency, but not the breadth and depth of what all of what they do. And most importantly, so much of what they do is free. Listen up to learn how the SBA helps small business owners. So Bill, again, thanks for joining us in studio. We're so happy to have you here. Um, I understand that it was recently, the SBA recently hosted the National Small Business Week across the U.S. Can you tell me more about that and specifically what most impressed you? Yes, well, so uh, every year, uh, we designate a week as National Small Business Week, and it's usually right around the beginning of May. And uh, what we do is we bring in uh, a state winner from all 50 states and honor them for what they've accomplished uh, in in their sphere of business. Uh, We also honor businesses that have recovered after um, uh, disasters. Uh, There were two businesses actually that won that award this year after floods and after they had lost everything in these floods and how they were able to uh, rebuild and start their business again with the help of the SBA. Uh, We we call them our Phoenix Awards winners because they're rising like a phoenix from the ashes. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was just amazing to hear the stories of of many different people, uh, you know, bakeries that opened uh, down in the in the southeast, and and just how how uh, they were able to uh, 
uh, you know, with the help of the SBA, get the necessary capital and, and resources uh, that were necessary for them to build a strong foundation and really build a business. And for their hard efforts, uh, you know, we rewarded them by inviting them to Washington and honoring them at a dinner here uh, at the International Center for Peace. And, uh, you know, it was just a great celebration and wonderful to hear from all of them and, and how, how appreciative they are of the help we were able to offer them, but again, then honor them for their hard work and diligence and what they've been able to create. For the Phoenix Award uh, winners, do you normally award only two or one? Or no, it usually there's only one, but this year the competition was so tough that um, the committee decided that we had to give it to, to a tie. To, so two businesses won this year. Uh, one of them was a business that uh, actually uh, does sort of home furnishings and, and refurbishing of, of, of furniture. And it was one of the only businesses left in this one area of wow. North Carolina. And they said that they lost everything with the flood. Mm -hmm. But they said all the community came out to help them mm -hmm. move everything out, that it was all destroyed and flooded and soaking wet. And then they said, you know, the family sat down and said, well, do we really want to start again or should we just give up and say, you know, we've done this for 50 years now, we're just going to, you know, call it a day. And the, actually it was the daughter who said, no, no, we can't give up. we got to get the money and start the business up again. And they, we were able to get them the money and they were able to start the business again. And the community is so grateful that they have this business back operating in this in this part of North Carolina. So it was a great story. That's a, I love that story. Yeah, such a story of resilience. Mm -hmm. But also, I think you've already taught me something I didn't know about the SBA, which is, you know, you are honoring small business owners. So that's really cool. I mean, that, that's part of the National Small Business Week. So. Yeah, no, that's something that we do. And then the administrator, Lynn McMahon, went on actually on a bus tour uh, that started out in Jacksonville, Florida. She went up through Georgia, South Carolina, and North Carolina, and then actually ended Small Business Week giving the commencement address at her alma mater, which is Eastern Carolina University. Uh, she's from New Bern, North Carolina. And she's, you know, a, a small business success story in her, in her own right. She came from a small town, North Carolina. She married, you know, Vince McMahon, uh, whose family had, had been a little bit involved in, in, uh, in the wrestling and boxing industry. And he said, well, this is, this is what I think we should, we should try and build on this. So they worked literally in their basement on a table that they shared, uh, and they started growing the business. But then they actually had some rough times, actually. They actually made some investments that turned out to be terrible investments, and they, they lost a lot of money. They couldn't make the payments. Mm -hmm. the, the McMahons actually had to declare bankruptcy. Wow. And she said she remembers standing in their house with, she was pregnant with her second child, standing in her living room, looked out the window as the repo man came and took their car. Wow. And she said, look, it's not how you fall, it's how you get back up. And she said, we were determined that we were gonna go forward, we were gonna get back up, and we started the business up again. And she said, you know, and then we were lucky with some timing, it was the right time for this, for this business. And she said, obviously, you know, we've been very blessed and very successful. And we were able to grow this into WWE, which is now a global brand that is seen around the world and is a publicly traded company on the New York Stock Exchange. So she went from, again, at one point being bankrupt and having her car repossessed to, you know, uh, being chair, chairwoman of, uh, of a global enterprise. That's amazing. So my, oh my, my kids my, are I'm actually floored. in studio right now, and I hope that Evan can hear this because he actually wants to be a wrestler. There you <laughs> go. All right. I, I can't tell you how much my family invests in WWE right now. So. He's probably back there right now listening. <laughs> but I also think what a nice uh, reflection of the agency, really, because I think small business is all about kind of picking yourself back up, right? And figuring out how to recover because we're all going to go through ups and downs if you're a small business owner. It's part of the process. Absolutely. And, you know, many times people have a, an idea and they start a small business, but then they really struggle with it. And that's really where the SBA can come in and help with our resource partners to give some guidance and assistance. Uh, we have small business development centers. We have women's business centers. We have SCORE volunteers wow. who volunteer their time free of charge. And actually, all of our resources provide help free of charge to anybody that walks in the door and says, I need help with my business plan. I need help. I need to know how can I take my business to the next level. You know, I've gotten this far, but now I really want to take it to another level. I need help in fin figuring out how to do that. And, and our resource partners will do that. And again, if you need then some capital to, to help get to that next level, 
you can work with one of uh, our approved banks or non-bank lenders. We have not-for-profit lending intermediaries who provide microloans, which are loans only up to $50,000. Uh, and actually, the average size of those loans, if you can believe it, is only $14,000. Uh -huh. But this is at a very reasonable rate and is a much better choice for a small business owner than, say, maxing out credit cards, uh, which where you would pay a much higher interest rate. Or, you know, uh, other, other avenues to get capital quickly, but you're going to pay a much higher rate. And our microloan program, again, that's administered through these not-for-profits in communities throughout the country, really do a great job of that. And last year, we had a record year. We got out $69 million. And that's where the average size of the loan was only $14,000. So that's a, a, a great thing. And what we've also seen is that um, over 8% of somebody who originally receives a microloan from us comes back later on down the road and then gets a larger loan using one of our other programs. So we like to see that continuum where we have someone come in and maybe they only need a, a small amount of money, but they build up a credit history and they're able then to come back and get a larger loan down the road. And so that is another way that we help small business entrepreneurs develop uh, by starting them off on a small loan and letting them graduate up to larger, larger loans. And we hope eventually they just get loans conventionally because, I mean, that's, that's what our ultimate goal is, is to see these strong businesses that don't need our assistance anymore. Sure. I mean, so this is the 65th anniversary of the SBA. And I think, as Zena alluded to a minute ago, we've all heard of the SBA, and yet you just kind of laid out a bunch of different programs that are out there. And one of the things I want to say to our listeners is that we're so used to talking about the concept of bootstrapping, right? And Bill, you mentioned that what a lot of people take that to mean is make it as hard as possible, right? So max out all your credit cards and do all these other things. And I think what part of what our message here today is, is sure, if you're going to bootstrap, that's fine. And let's do it smarter and wiser and use the resources that are out there. So, yeah. And also, um, I want to go back to SCORE. Um, sure. You brought that program up. I've used that program, and I think it's excellent. I think more people need to know about it, and it and also they they don't realize it's connected to the SBA. So it's true. Yeah, can you talk no. a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So Score really started off as as retired executives who had been uh, involved in 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 private business, and they decided after they retired that they wanted to give back to the community and say, look, we're going to help uh, coach other young aspiring entrepreneurs and get them on the road to success like we have enjoyed. And so that's really how the program started. Um, and it's it's been very successful over the years. It's, it's now gr grown more and actually now it's not only retired executives. Uh, so it's, it's uh, really become just a group of volunteers, uh, which, is, which is a great story in itself, that really just want to give back and help, uh, you know, create uh, more growth, uh, you know, in, in the uh, in the country and, and see small businesses really thrive. And so it's a great program. Uh, you know, then we do have also, uh, and these are all part of our Office of Entrepreneurial Development. We also have our small business development centers. Those are centers that usually are, are located on uh, university campuses. Mm -hmm. uh, and they also are available to anybody who wants to come in and, and ask for help. It's all confidential, uh, you know, engagement. Uh, you know, and, you know, and and again, it's free of charge. And then we have women's business centers, uh, and I have to say they're not only exclusively for women, but they are called women's business centers because they do want to focus on on the needs of of, of female entrepreneurs. And we have those located across the country uh, as well. And so again, any of these places are open free of charge for confidential help. And I urge all your listeners to 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 come in and use those resources that uh, that the SBA provides. Are these programs um, uh, and your affiliated partners are they the most well known? The ones you just mentioned, or yes. So the the way they work is um, we are given an appropriation through Congress, and then we make grants available to the small business development centers, the women's business centers, and the SCORE organizations to to uh, you know uh, open up their their businesses and you know the the centers and have them uh, uh, staffed and, and run. So it's really through uh, a grant that SBA makes to these organizations that really provides for their ability to, to function. And which programs um, that most impact startups? 
That's a really good question. Um, you know, I would think probably um, the, the women's business centers um, probably see more startups, I think, than the others. Um, but but uh, you know, I would I would have to look at the the numbers exactly. But uh, I from my experience, I've probably seen um, more startups really go to the, the women's business centers first. And which ones impact existing business owners? So honestly, it would probably I would say the the uh, uh, the small business development centers are very good at helping. I mean, again, they also would see startups, but they probably are, are very well suited um, to see a business that's maybe a very fledgling business, uh, but they really need help. How do I grow? How do I get to the next level, as I said earlier? And uh, the small business development centers do a great job of, of, uh, of really helping someone uh, get to that higher higher level. But again, all of them can, can, uh, can help anybody uh, in any way, really. Uh, but just from from my knowledge, uh, that's that's how I'd answer that. So, what should the public or our listeners, uh, startup founders, business owners, know about these impressive service offerings? And particularly, how do they sign up? Is everything based on elig eligibility requirements? Can they walk in off the street, or how does the process start for them? For the for the resource partners, you can just literally walk in off the street, and you can go in there and say, "Look, I've got an idea. Mm -hmm. I, I want to start this business." Uh, I need help on knowing, you know, how to do it. And you'll get guidance on, for example, how to do market research. Uh, you know, where are you going to locate your business? Are you sure you're going to have a customer base where you're going to locate that business? Is that the right, that right choice? Um, what type of financing will you need to do to make sure the business is going to be successful? What are all of the uh, accounting and, and legal ramifications. Uh, you know, in some businesses, uh, you need to have certifications. For example, if you wanted to open, and this is a very popular thing we're seeing a lot at the SBA right now, daycare centers. Daycare mm -hmm. centers, you have to be licensed, obviously. There, there's very rigorous uh, rules uh, for someone who wants to be the owner of a daycare center because you're, you're dealing with children, and we want to make sure that, that it's, it's done properly. So, you know, uh, and even hair salons, you know, you have to get licenses, barber shops, you need to get licenses. But so the, these are the kinds of things that, that uh, again, the resource partners can help you with and say this is how we are going to help you navigate all the things that you need to consider in, in terms of opening this business. And we want to make sure that, again, if they do need capital, that they get enough capital because sometimes a business will get some capital, but it's not enough for them to be successful. And actually, it probably would be better off for them not to get the little bit of capital and get halfway into the business and find out they run out of money because that, that can be a problem. So we want to make sure that people have the, the full, uh, you know, full information that they need uh, to, to grow a firm foundation and have a strong business plan because any business that's going to go into um, a lending institution uh, and look for capital is going to be asked really for that. Where is your business plan? Where are your projections? What do you think are, is going to be your ability to repay this loan over the next three years? And they want to see that information before they're going to make that loan. Uh, you know, and and the the advantage that the SBA has is uh, we guarantee loans made by banks. So, for example, uh, you know, a, a business person who comes in and says. Well, I'm going to open a restaurant. You know, I, I've always wanted to open a restaurant. It's going to be this great restaurant. And, but, you know, the bank looks at them and says, well, have you ever had a restaurant before? Do you know how many restaurants close in the first year of business? Uh, and they, they say they, they still want to do it, though, but the bank is unwilling to make a loan to them through conventional per, you know, uh, ways. But with the SBA coming in and then saying we will guarantee 75 or 85 percent of the value of that loan, then the bank will say, we will make that loan to you because the SBA is going gonna, is gonna to help us mitigate the risk. And that we make a lot of loans to, to uh, restaurants uh, and other businesses in, in the, uh, in the uh, you know, uh, restaurants and accommodation industry. We do a lot of small hotel loans, things that are really riskier sectors that banks are usually unwilling to make those loans initially. But with an SBA guarantee, they're, they're, they'll make it. So let's talk about those two main loan programs. And can you kind of explain a little bit about them for folks and then kind of tell our listeners, you know, when would I look for this loan versus this type of loan? Yeah, just explain the main programs to our Sure. Folks. So, so the, our, our largest program is the, the 7A loan program. And it's only called 7A because that's where it appears in the statute where the loan was created by Congress. But um, the 7A loan program uh, can go up to $5 million dollars. 
It can be used for anything, including working capital. Um, and so it really is the, the flagship program. Last year, we had a record year with this program. We guaranteed loans uh, with a total value of over $25 billion in one fiscal year, and that was just obviously tremendous. And actually, we're on uh, par this year to actually even beat that number by up to 5%, we think. Um, and so that's great. We're getting out a lot of dollars to a lot of small businesses. But the economy's doing well, people are optimistic, and they're willing to take those risks right now. The other loan program we have is called the 504 program. Again, it's, that's the where it, it appears in the statute. And 504 is only for fixed asset acquisition. So it cannot be used for working capital. It can be used, for example, if you want to purchase a building for your business, if you're going to purchase land for your business, if you're going to purchase um, heavy machinery, equipment that's, that's quite expensive uh, for your business. Uh, and again, this loan also goes up to five and a, mil, uh, five and a half million dollars. Uh, and it can be used for any, any uh, you know, bricks and mortar acquisition, uh, machinery, uh, equipment, anything, again, that's a tangible asset. But the advantage of the 504 program that really is, is critical right now is we've actually just extended the term of the 504 loan. So we used to have 10 and 20-year terms. 10 was usually used for machinery and equipment because that's what we found was like the useful life of a lot of machinery and equipment. And we had 20-year terms for buildings and land and, and acquisitions like that. We now, last month, extended, so we now have a third term that goes to 25 years. So that is a benefit to the borrower in that they will get an additional 60 months in which to repay that loan. So that was a great thing that we just added last month. So now we have 10, 20, and 25-year terms for the 504 loan. And the great thing about the 504 loan is it is a fixed-rate loan. And a lot of people want to lock those loans in now because they know that rates are going to be on the rise. And if you can lock in a loan now for 25 years at today's fixed rate, that is a huge benefit that you would never be able to get with a conventional loan uh, in the commercial marketplace. So th those are our main programs, and, and they have been very successful. The 504 loan program last year did over just $5 billion um, in, in lending. The average size of a, of a 504 loan is, is just under a million dollars because usually it's, again, for those big pieces of equipment or land, a, a building. Um, and the average size of the 7A loan is just under half a million dollars uh, because, again, it's, it's, uh, it can be used for anything, including working capital. Usually people use it for many sources. One of them, one of the components that the loan would be put towards is working capital, but it might be also for renovating the space, um, inventory, uh, acquisition, you know, different, different things like that. Before we go to the process, because we're going to talk about the process a little bit, um, and probably here would be a good place to be transparent that actually I have applied for and received a SBA loan a long time ago, <laughs> and it was it was for a, a business that I invested in, and it was really really worthwhile. It was a uh, helped get a business off the ground that would not have otherwise done so. So I'll say thank you. Um, how does somebody go about finding out about the SBA loans? Do they need to go to certain banks, or do they need to? And again, I've been through the process, but I'm asking you anyway. Yeah, no. So there, there, yeah. there are a lot, uh, and I'm glad that it worked out well for you. So I'm glad <laughs> to hear that. <laughs> um, so that you know, there, there are many ways. You can actually just go into um, your local bank uh, and ask for a loan. And if they again think that um, you have a, a risk profile that they're concerned about from their conventional standpoints, they will say, all right, well, we'll make your loan. We're going to put an SBA guarantee on it. And so they just do that automatically. Um, one uh, tool that's new that we just launched last year is an online tool that's called Lender Match. And this tool allows someone to go online and uh, put in the parameters of what they're looking for. I'm looking for a $100,000 loan to uh, to open you know a business out of my home that's going to sell uh, you know uh, holiday baskets uh, and you know this is what I'm looking for that will then be sent out electronically to lenders that have been SBA approved in your area and you will get a response within 48 hours 
um, as to uh, you know whether the, there's a lender out there that, that wants to talk to you about making that loan. So to date, we've seen three million hits on our, our site and over 140,000 businesses have been connected to lenders. And this was something that was not possible five years ago because we didn't have this platform. But this is a great additional tool that the SBA has just launched and something that's actually being highlighted in the whole federal government as one of the best IT inventions of the past year. Um, the General Services Administration and OMB cited SBA's lender match tool as one of the best new inventions from the federal government. So I encourage anybody, if they're looking for capital, to log on to that site uh, and, and, and fill it out. And again, uh, you know, uh, get a response uh, within 48 hours. It's a, it's a great new tool uh, that was not at our disposal uh, until this past year. You know, having this conversation is so meaningful to me because uh, I'm just coming off of, uh, an executive MBA program at Dartmouth, uh, the Tuck School of Business. And one of the things that we had to fill out first was a business plan. <laughs> there you go. And then they told us to come back next year and present our, you know, uh, to refill out that business plan and because after the program. And one of the things I want to ask you, since the SBA works with banks to make loans available, what advice do you have before entrepreneurs approach a lender? What ducks need to be in order? Which I assume the business plan is one of them, but I'm sure there are others. Exactly. No, honestly, the thing that they're going to ask for is a business plan, and they want to see some uh, projections that have that are based on some analysis that you've done. Again, they're want to they're going to want to know uh, uh, information about the sector you're going into, the business you're going into. They're going to want to know um, again uh, market research. Have you done sufficient market research to analyze that specific business where you're trying to open it? And they're going to want to see again. Uh, you make projections of sales, uh, revenue, um, how you're going to do, and that will guide the bank, obviously, in looking at that and determining, uh, again, if it, if it looks really strong to them, uh, if they're going to be able to make that loan based on the information you provided. So they're going to want to show, they're going to want you to show, you know, for example, projections at least three to five years going out. They're going to say, well, what do you think is going to happen with this business? How, what do you think you're going to be able to make? What are you going, you know, what are your earnings going to be? What are your revenues going to be? They're going to want that information. And that's what one of our, our uh, resource partners can help with. But again, they're going to ask you to, you know, come in with that uh, if you know, and and to be you know uh, seriously considered for a bank loan, are there common mistakes that a borrower makes if they get turned down? What are some of those mistakes that you see? Uh, you know, I don't know if I would say that there are mistakes. Uh, you know, uh, people get discouraged if you get turned down, right? No one likes mm -hmm. to get turned down. No, no one likes rejection. But uh, you know, I think you you should use that as a learning experience. So so then go go back and look at that again, and and maybe go to one of our resource partners and say. That this plan it didn't didn't you know wasn't sufficient. What can I do to change it? What do I need to alter? What additional information must I provide for the lender to consider uh, me a candidate for a loan at their institution? I mean, there are, are there stories, amazing stories. Uh, for example, uh, Ben and Jerry's. Ben and Jerry's apparently was rejected something like six times from different banks until finally, actually, it was a bank who used an SBA product to guarantee the loan to Ben & Jerry's that they were able to, to get started. So uh, we have stories like that, uh, you know, all over the place. Um, and, and it really, uh, you know, we've got great success stories. The most recent uh, really big success story that the SBA had was a 504 loan, and it was for Chobani Yogurt. Oh, Chobani wow. Yogurt got it a 504 loan from the SBA in conjunction with KeyBank, uh, and they uh, put this loan together, and um, that allowed them to buy the uh, the, the property the, and the equipment, and everything they needed in upstate New York, in an area that actually was a depressed area that now has been revitalized because of the growth of Chobani yogurt. And now, you know, Chobani, as you know, is sold all over the country. It's huge. Yeah. So it, that that's the most recent. But I mean, you'd be amazed at some of the other businesses that got some of their initial startup capital from the SBA. Nike, FedEx, uh, Callaway Golf, Under Armour. Amazing. I mean, all of those businesses 
have something in common. And what they have in common is that some of their initial capital came from SBA programs. And you can reapply. I think that's the other message in here is that if you get rejected once, it's not the end of the story. Absolutely. No. And, and we encourage people to come back and, and apply again. And, you know, if one bank says no, the other bank down the street may say yes. And so you just have to not be completely discouraged. You need to, you know, again, it's not how you fall. It's how you get back up. And you just got to keep persevering and 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 find uh, find the person that's going to say yes. I'm going to use that quote. <laughs> <laughs> I might use it, use it <laughs> on social media. <laughs> I also want to pull out a piece that you said just a minute ago. Um, we've had a separate show on pro forma financials, what they are, what they mean, how to use them in your business and so forth. And one of the questions that we get, I think at least Christine and I get quite a bit, is, well, how can I get help with pro forma financials? And I think Bill just gave us an answer, which is, Resource Partners of the SBA is a resource that can help you put those together. And actually, you have stuff on your website that can get people started. Um, is there anything people need to know about that? Because I think that is just invaluable. That's right. No, uh, you know, I think actually the SBA website is fantastic. And it's been overhauled. I think it's uh, it looks a lot better. It's a lot cleaner, a lot more intuitive. And I would certainly encourage, again, any of the listeners uh, – to go onto our website, it's a wealth of information there. Everything from the resource partners to the loan programs, everything that the SBA does, and and I think that's a great place to start. Um, and you know, we also have links there that will take you to other other spots that can provide additional information. So I I, uh, I think that's a great place to start. It will give you the locations of all of our not only our district offices but the resource partners where they are the closest ones to where you're located. So it's, it's a, that's a great resource. And, and again, Lender Match can be accessed through the website. So again, that's just one you know, central site that you can go to and it'll give you a tremendous amount of information. And I think people just can get really confused with having to put together their own financials. And I mean, certainly I tell people just start with the back of the napkin. I mean, start with something, but you know, to know that you can have professionals help you get, you know, really flesh those out, I think is really important. And it gives people hope. Well, exactly. And, and again, if you are d doing a startup for the first time and you have not been uh, an experienced business person, uh, you really do need someone who can help guide you and make sure that you're, you're not making mistakes and that you really are putting together the strongest uh, plan possible so that, again, you have the best chance of success. Uh, you know, again, I, I can't, you know, urge enough that, it, you know, the more planning and the more focus you have on something ahead of starting the business, the more successful you're going to be after the business is started. You know, our microloan program, an interesting aspect of our microloan program is that it comes with mandatory uh, counseling and training. So in order to receive a microloan, you actually must also accept the counseling and training. So this is, as I said, on those small, average-sized $14,000 loans, and you get counseling and training up front before you receive the loan, which we find is actually almost equally as important to the information and counseling and training you get after receiving the loan. So you get upfront before you receive it, then you get that microloan, and then you continue to get help after you receive the loan. And that is a very vital point, uh, part of the microloan program, is the mandatory counseling and training. Yeah, I, th I think that's a great point. So um, North Virginia community, Business Partnerships is a community-based organization. They're, they also just became a Community Development Financial Institute, a CDFI, and they are providing microloans as well. Um, what other, so I'm, I'm curious, so they can leverage lender match, but are there other resources that your community organization sh ought to or should um, ensure that any participants that are coming in for education and preparedness sh should they also use? Yeah, I mean, cer certainly there there are great organizations all over this country. It's really amazing, and and we provide, uh, in, in we have a, a program where we actually give uh, grant money out to some of them to provide assistance and training and and uh, you know uh, technical help mm -hmm. that they can then provide to small business owners. Um, and we, uh, CDFIs, we have many many CDFIs that are part of our programs. Um, Again, the microloan program is interesting in that you have to be a nonprofit mm -hmm. to participate in that program. And we are always looking for more participants to, to, to join the, uh, the, the, uh, the list of, of those that uh, are, are make our products available. Um, you know, and so 
again, I, I, there are just tr a tremendous number of, of, of community-based organizations across the country that are really very helpful in providing the advice and, and, uh, and help and capital that a growing uh, entrepreneur needs. You know, one thing we're doing also right now at the SBA is we have a goal to increase the number of loans um, in rural areas as well as hub zones. And hub zones are historically underutilized business zones. Many hub zones um, are, are inner city areas that uh, need, uh, need capital badly for economic development. And so we have a goal right now at the agency to increase the number of loans in these areas that have really, uh, in, in large degree, sometimes been forgotten. Mm -hmm. And we want to focus and concentrate on those areas. So a, you know, a $14,000 loan uh, in an inner city is going to count equally right. uh, on our goaling program as a $5 million loan does in suburban Maryland. So, you know, we're trying to make sure that we're making as many of these small dollar loans that have huge impact and are really uh, change agents for, for people's lives and communities. And right. so we are really trying to focus on these areas and as well as rural areas, because rural areas, a lot of times they're, they're, they're not brick and mortar banks anymore because of consolidation of the banking industry. Uh, the Wall Street Journal had an article last August that said that, that um, uh, uh, rural is the new inner city because mm -hmm. again, it's an area that is, gets forgotten. Right. So we would, at the SBA decided these are areas that we wanna focus on to try and drive numbers and increase loan activity in these areas. And, and we're actually having great success. The, the, the one state that I saw the numbers on so far was, um, of, was Ohio. Mm -hmm. Ohio, we've actually had a huge increase in these smaller dollar loans um, in rural areas and inner cities in Ohio. And, and that's very positive. And for a long time, our smaller dollar loans actually were not doing as well, and we were getting larger and larger loans. But we've actually, in the last year, we've seen a slight uptick in the loans um, uh, under hundred, uh, under three hundred fifty thousand dollars, which which is is encouraging mm -hmm. because those are the loans that uh, really uh, can be make a real transformational change. For yes, small exactly. Um, can you also? We had on the show recently uh, two individuals, Marcus Bullock and Katie Leonard, who are supporting the uh, formerly incarcerated population, mm -hmm. um, and there is a lot of uh, bias and unknowns about that population. We want to highlight that some of these loans are available for formerly incarcerated. Can you talk a little bit about yeah, that? Yeah, actually that was um, uh, a change in the um, SBA's policy um, a few years ago. Mm -hmm. So now our loans are available to formerly incarcerated individuals. Uh, in the past, actually that was not the case. Mm -hmm. um, but that is something that we have changed and so they are available and, and uh, we're seeing you know good participation uh, uh, and we want to encourage that. Because again, we want to see economic growth everywhere. So I'm putting my marketing and PR hat on. So how have you been getting the word out about this, about these new loans? So uh, I know that there, there are some in the uh, office that have been working with um, some uh, folks that were help with uh, transitioning um, out of uh, incarceration to the, you know the private sector, and we, we've been able to uh, get to some of those uh, transition centers and these organizations. Some of them are not for profit, uh, social workers that help uh, with the transitioning, and so we've been, we've been participants in some of those sessions. Actually, Zena, you read my mind <laughs> because I want to I want to kind of pull through what something that you were just saying, right? Which is you're wanting to get more loans in rural areas and hub zones mm -hmm. and that smaller dollar loans count just as much as big lo big dollar loans and that's if i'm if i'm understanding this correctly and correct me if i'm wrong it's not that you're saying you wouldn't do high dollar loans oh, in, no, in, no, not at in all. the hub zones or rural areas but <clears> rather <throat> and perhaps and this is just my hypothesis perhaps it's the bigger dollar loans what Maybe it's more sophisticated um, business owners or people who kind of know about the programs, but people who are using the smaller dollar loans, it might be folks that didn't know about the programs before. So in thinking that through, it sounds to me like you're doing a better job about telling people what's available out there. Oh, no, I think I think we have uh, have improved definitely. And, and uh, you know, we have a whole new uh, effort at, at marketing the programs and the, we're, we're doing more and more, in fact, we're going to be bringing in folks from the 68 district offices across the country uh, for some training over the course of the summer 
uh, and they're going to get additional materials so when they go back to their the communities in which they uh, you know, have their offices, they're going to have uh, new tools and, and ways of, of, again, getting the message out on a broader spectrum. And certainly the administrator has done a great job of getting uh, in the media quite a lot. And, and again, as, as was said earlier, she wants to make sure that the agency is not the best kept secret in the federal government anymore. She wants to make sure we're front and center and a lot of people focus on it. But we are getting actually a lot more attention. And, uh, you know, I think we're, we're talking to credit unions because many times credit unions do not participate in our programs because they don't do a lot of commercial lending. But we've actually been actively engaged and we have uh, uh, a memorandum of understanding with one of the large uh, credit union associations so that we can bring more of them into our programs because a lot of people, that's their uh, experience with uh, financial institutions, with a credit union. So we want them also to be able to offer our loans to, uh, you know, small businesses. And, and um, we, you know, listen, we, we, we love making the, the big loans as well. Uh, but, you know, we, we've seen, uh, you know, and, and a lot of people on, on Capitol Hill want to make sure that we are continuing to make those small dollar loans. Uh, that you know are very important uh, to many people, and and uh, you know we 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 have been seeing an, an uptick in those loans, which is good. And you're definitely singing our tune. I mean, part of our goal with the show, right, is to is to reach out to highlight and support underrepresented entrepreneurs in certain spaces. So I think I think that's really laudable and really important. So one of the things that my friends always come to me about, they're like, why aren't you an 8A? <laughs> and I know that's one of the many programs you have um, to offer small businesses who want to explore uh, federal government contracting. Um, I'm not an 8A, but I've thought about it. <laughs> and so uh, can you talk about this a little bit more? Sure. We have different certifications for small businesses so that they can participate in the uh, set-asides and the sole source awards that the federal government makes available to small businesses. Um, it is the goal of the federal government to have 23% of the procurements go to small businesses. Um, and, and we're doing a good job with that, but you know we can always do a better job. And so um, we work with all of the federal agencies throughout the government. And as you may know, the federal government is the largest consumer in the world, everything from paper clips to aircraft carriers. Uh, and we want to make sure that that small businesses get their you know fair share of the the taxpayer dollars uh, you know for the acquisition of of all of these things that the federal government uh, goes out to purchase. So the eight A program is something again that you get certified by the agency, and then that puts you on a a special list so that you can compete uh, very effectively for contracts. You get preferential treatment on certain certain contracts. For example, in, in some of the programs, you do not have to be the lowest bidder, but because if you are an 8A certified person, you will win the bid, uh, even if, you're, even if you're, uh, you know, your bid is a little bit higher than the lowest bidder. Um, again, we have special programs for businesses that are located in hub zones. Again, the historically underutilized business zones. Those also get special treatment if you have um, not only the business located there, but a large number of the employees of that business also living in hub zones. You get, again, uh, special treatment when it comes to government contracting. And then we have um, self-certifying programs for women-owned small businesses and veteran-owned small businesses. Again, these are, again, groups that we want to make sure that we highlight and focus on and make sure that they're getting government contracts. Um, and so we want to see as many women-owned businesses get the contracts as well as, as veterans. Um, and, you know, we have programs for uh, disabled veterans as well. And we want to make sure, again, that, you know, someone who's served the country, uh, that they also are able to enjoy in the, uh, in the, the, uh, the benefits of, of government contracting. Is the process as rigorous and scary as people make it out to be? I mean, tell the truth. So, so it is a very thorough process. It is, it's a thorough process, but um, you know, we, we obviously have to make sure that it's done properly for the integrity of the program, um, because again, you're 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 talking about contracts and people winning, and there's if there's a winner, there's going to be a loser, and the, the loser wants to make sure that then that person that is is the winning contract, uh, you know, is 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 really getting this all legitimately. So we have to make 
make sure that the certification is honored and and it does have to be rigorous to a degree and you do have th a third party um, um, validators as well uh, we bank for one that supports women-owned businesses they make the process extremely easy to go through that certification but I, I didn't think it was painful and I think it definitely helps out so um, I do have a question on the hub zone um, and I think through the site transformation, this may be new, but it, there is on the site right now a place where people can go in and put their business um, address to see if the hub zone, they qualify for hub zone status. That's correct. correct. We, we have the, all those mapped on our website. And again, okay. another thing you can find on our website, you, you, I think you can do it um, by zip code and, mm -hmm. and uh, it will pull up a map and to make sure that it'll show you that you are in a hub zone. But again, I just want to reiterate, not only does the business have to be located there, a, a large percentage of the employees working for the business Population also area. have to live in hub zones. Not specifically the hub zone where the business is located, but at least another hub zone. Yeah, that's important to yeah. note. So we've been kind of directing our questions around very specific programs. Are there any programs that we haven't talked about yet that you really want to tell our listeners about that we might not have covered? Well, one thing I, I, I thought would be I interesting to mention is... Um, we actually launched a new policy for um, franchises. We found that there is a large increase in financing going to franchises. And in fact, um, what we found really interesting is the number of franchises now being opened by women mm -hmm. and women on their own. Um, and that has actually, we had an 18% increase in the dollars going to women-owned franchises last year, which we thought was a large, a large increase. And so what we did at the SBA was we now put on the website, once again, it's on that website, sba.gov. <laughs> I just want everyone to know it's sba.gov. We now have a directory that lists all the franchises that are eligible for SBA financing. So you have to be a small business to be um, eligible for, for the financing. Some franchises are actually too large for our, for our financing. So you have to be a smaller one. But... We used to have, uh, so this change came in, in January, and at the start we had about 2,000 franchises on the directory. We now have almost 2,700. Uh, so we have added, we've added 700 wow. franchises to the directory. And we've seen year over year an increase in the number of franchises, and especially um, franchises going to uh, solely women-owned uh, enterprises. And so we think this is a great tool now, it makes it much easier because you can actually look at the directory and see which franchises are eligible for SBA financing. So, you know, if you wanted to open a, a certain business, you might want to know, okay, is that franchise eligible? And you can go onto the website and see it right away. That was not possible before January. Hmm. So that is a huge advantage now. You used to have to go to the bank and ask the bank if that franchise was eligible. Now we make it up clear on our website to everybody, banks uh, and, and small business, prospective small business owners, which ones are eligible. So we think that's a great tool, and we think that franchising will continue to increase. And it, it's, you know, the franchise model is a great model because it sort of gives you a roadmap. Um, it's something that people, you know, are familiar with, and um, we've seen some really successful um, entrepreneurs, uh, you know, with franchises. So you mentioned a lot of data uh, during this discussion, which we love. Um, some I want to actually reiterate, because you had a, an amazing year last year with your loans. So you talked about microloans um, having a, a, you know exponential growth, and the average loan was about 14,000. Um, 14, SA, or SA, 7A <laughs> <laughs> loans, working capital was around 500K, and then your 504, which was around 1 million average. Um, you also mentioned other types of data. As a data person, I think both Aurelia and I, can we go to the sba.gov and pull down data, run reports for ourselves? Is that you know publicly yes. accessible? Yes. Um, uh, we update the the uh, the data. I think it's on a weekly basis, and you can see um, you know how the where the loans are going and how they're performing. And um, again, you know we, we've we've had very strong years. Uh, over the last, um, you know, several years, you know, ever since really the uh, the recession, but uh, but now we've seen even more uh, strength just because again the economy is strong and and small business sentiment uh, is very high. I mean, it's mm -hmm. the highest it's been in like 
17 years. Uh, and so we're seeing a lot of, uh, you know, businesses uh, want to uh, take on the risk of, of, of capital, uh, of a loan, because they think now is a good time to grow their business. They see that, you know, and, and actually I have to tell you that if you look at the, our statistics um, on how the loans are performing, mm -hmm. uh, the loss rate is under 2%. That is a very low number. That's probably one of the historically lowest numbers we've had. Uh, and so the, 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 the loans, are, the programs are doing very well. And what's also interesting to note is that we do not have to ask Congress for an additional appropriation to pay for those losses because there are fees that are generated by participation in the program, and the fees completely cover the cost of the losses. So again, it's, a, it's an amazing program. We call it operating on zero subsidy because mm -hmm. we don't have to ask for additional money to, to cover any losses. The only uh, appropriation from Congress is really for salaries and expenses of the SBA. But the programs are really um, self-sustaining, which is, which is great. So we talked a little earlier about um, community-based organizations, CDFIs. Can smaller community-based organizations, as you just mentioned, the microloans and other um, programs, can they seek to provide additional loans? Um, and how can they b benefit from the programs and lessons learned that you've had in the last year? Uh, sure. I mean, we, we a lot of a lot of uh, CDFIs make loans, you know, without uh, using our programs. Um, and we've seen, uh, for example, in the 504 program, the uh, the uh, SBA will uh, you know guarantee up to a uh, as I said a five and a half million dollar loan, but we've seen some coming in for actually up to fifteen million dollars. But then they will have another lender who will do the majority of that loan, and the SBA will do a, a you know the minority part of that loan, so that you can combine loans to make them larger. Um, what we were talking about rural loans, for example, in rural loans. We sometimes combine our loans with loans made available through the Department of Agriculture, um, specifically for agricultural farming loans, uh, which are very popular in the southeast. Um, and so we've seen loans where um, the Department of Agriculture will do the first $1.4 million because that's the cap on their loans. But then since we can go larger, at, from $1.4 uh, up to five million, they'll do with an SBA loan, mm -hmm. uh, and so they'll combine the two programs. Uh, so we see, we see, uh, you know, what, what, you know what I would say, like a piggybacking, you know, uh, of the loans in that way. Yeah, and, and that's a good point too. And I think for our listeners, as we talk about funding strategies and being creative, you know, we usually we talk about um, angel investing, VCs. Now we're talking about you know, potentially utilizing SBA loans. So for our listeners, it's really important to think through a hybrid strategy where you can utilize loans that are available through the SBA, um, gov other government contracts, in addition to the angel investing and VC investing. I know we've talked a lot about loans and you mentioned some of the new programs. Is there anything else that has changed at the SBA recently? Uh, well, one thing that we've done over the last year is we have really um, increased the turn times in our centers uh, for for processing the lo these loans, uh, for example, we've probably uh, increased the turn times by about fifty percent, which is really tremendous. So on a, a small dollar loan, the loans under three hundred fifty thousand dollars that used to take six days to process, we actually are doing those right now in two days. Um, and the the large oh, loans, yeah. the the large loans up to five million dollars, mm -hmm. those were taking somewhere on the order of about fifteen days. Where we've actually gotten those down to seven or eight days, so it's 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 a much faster process. And you know, a lot of people that's sometimes why they're hesitant about coming and wanting you know to use an SBA loan because they're like, oh my gosh, it's going to be all this additional paperwork and it's going to be all this time and it's just not you know I don't want to do that. It's just not not worth it. But again, we've now completely modernized the system. Everything is uh, submitted electronically. Um, we have uh, eTran, which is our electronic transmission program. We have SBA One, which is actually for smaller community banks that don't do that many SBA loans. Mm -hmm. Basically, it's like um, TurboTax for loans. So mm -hmm. it has screen by screen, cell by cell that must be completed in order to move on to the next screen. Um, and it really guides a lender who really isn't that familiar with SBA, doesn't have the resources to have a dedicated SBA staff, but again, allows some bank 
that maybe only makes five SBA loans a year to make sure that when they're putting the documentation in to get the SBA guarantee that they're doing it properly. So this is, again, uh, SBA 1 was only introduced within the last four years. Uh, so that's a great tool for a small bank that wants to become an SBA lender and, again, doesn't want to have to have a dedicated SBA staff. And, um, and again, the, the, the turn time I- improvements is great because, again, you know, that used to be something that was, uh, was a criticism, oh, it takes forever. Mm-hmm. But the fact that we've really cut those turn times in half and we're looking to even increase the turn times for the small dollar loans by another 20%. Uh, and we're making good progress on that. So I, that you know that that just is is as a reason then why the program is not as onerous uh, as it as it was perceived to be. I just want to mention something. So I'm so happy to hear that the IT system was modernized and you're actually seeing value from it. As someone who supported <laughs> IT in the federal government for t- 20 years with a management consulting <laughs> firm, it's just it's encouraging to hear. And, and we're trying and to do more. I mean, really, right. we're trying to have. Uh, the, the ability to, uh, for example, in the 504 program, uh, you know, you, you if, if it's for the acquisition of property, you have to have deeds and all this mm-hmm. stuff that all has to be recorded. We're trying to get to the point that all of that information can be submitted um, electronically into a central repository so all of the documentation is kept, you know, in the cloud mm-hmm. and that we have access to it because... Um, a lot of times we still are having to collect some of that uh, documentation uh, through paper, right. and we're trying to get that all electronic. Yep, that's great, because the validation is what takes the longest time. So once you have one yep. place you can go and people can upload, awesome. Bill, you've told us the SBA website several times, but is there any place else people who can find out information, or should we just tell everybody to go to sba.gov? Honestly, I think the, the website is one, of the, the, uh, is one of the best places. I mean, certainly you can call your local district office or call your local small business development center or call the local women's business center. But, I, you know, I think it's probably uh, best to make contact um, on, online. And, uh, you know, you can find the locations of any of our, our resource partners or the district offices, and you can, you can just walk in off the street and, you know, say, I'm here to talk about my small business, and, and uh, here's my dream, and, and I want to make sure that it, it, it comes true. Wonderful. Well, I think we've all gotten a lot of good information today. Um, I want to start with just saying that the SBA has been honoring small business owners for what they've done, and I really think that's cool, and particularly on the heels of, you know, National Small Business Week, but also, um, you know, some of the disasters we've had in the country over the last year. So um, I think it was a great message that, a message of hope and resiliency, like you said, and that the administrator herself said, it's not how you fall, it's how you get back up. I love that. I think we all are going to continue to use that quote. Part of what we learned today is to really be smart about bootstrapping and kind of use the resources that are out there, and particularly the loan programs, and that the SBA also has all of these other affiliated programs to really be able to use the wisdom of experts and successful business owners in one's own community. So look for those at the small business development centers, which are usually on a university campus, but as Bill said, you can find out about them at (laughs) sba.gov. You can walk in and access these resources, and they are free. There are women's business centers and other places that you can kind of go to find out more about preparing for uh, a business plan, preparing financials, and so forth. And, of course, all of the resources on the website, like market research and um, types of help you can get with your financing, your accounting, and and to make sure you get enough capital. I love that you have the lender match program so that people can actually go on and get matched with a lender who might be willing in their area to offer them a loan. We talked about getting prepared for a loan, that there's never there's never too much preparation. But if you don't get, get it the first time, you can reapply. So don't take that rejection as the end, but something else to go forward on. Um, we talked a lot about the loan programs, which I think are really exciting. And the more that you know about them, the more you can kind of think about that as Christina said, the hybrid approach of how to use all of those things. And we talked about some of the loan programs in rural areas and hub zones, and that the SBA is kind of utilizing its resources as a change agent and helping other change agents as well. So leveraging that. And sounds like they're getting the word out there, but for all of our listeners, please tell people that you might know about the SBA and their programs, help them get the word out there. 
talked a little bit about federal government um, contracting and how the SBA helps with that. They can help with certification programs, and that is a really interesting way for small businesses to think about their customers and potentially um, grow their services and so forth, and that there are new programs for franchises and potential franchisees to look at. Lots of data on the SBA.gov um, website and that they internally are increasing their IT infrastructure, improving processing times, modernizing, and have been lauded internally to the government as one of the best um, programs right now. So we really appreciate you coming and joining us today, Bill. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. I certainly enjoyed being here with all of you. And we really hope that all of our listeners will take advantage of all these wonderful resources. For those of you listening today, go to our website, Get Bound, Get Funded. Make sure to check us out on social media and don't miss an episode.